Come on, wake up, mate. Wakey, wakey. It's final draft mate. time. I know, I know, but it's been... Oh, I'm so tired. I think I this am is... knackered, to be fair. Is this the earliest we've done it? I think we... Yeah, yeah by far. By far the earliest. But not the latest. Because uh, we have done no. ones pretty late at night. The fucking owls we are. Well, I guess this is the latest in terms of, like, day. Because this will literally go up tomorrow. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, chaps. <laughs> it's fine. We work. We make it work. We hustle. We, we run a... We fine. We run a tight ship here. Tight. <laughs> yeah. Nothing goes under our radar. No. Excuse yeah, ourselves. <laughs> definitely our, not. No. No. Not at all. It's all figured out. Uh, it's all planned out. I know everything. I'm like um I'm like Kevin Feige. I know it all. It's so all. You it's even all know what's going to happen in the future. You're that much like Kevin Feige. I do. <clears throat> it's, 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 it's all written out in a sacred like sacred text. What episodes are upcoming? This is all part of the sacred timeline. What, what do you think of next week's episode then? Um, you know, it's not what our best. The, what does the book say? It's not our best, but oh. it will do. Um, you'll, oh. The folks at home will like it, at least. Right. <laughs> well, thanks, uh, Sacred Timeline, for doing us dirty like that. But then in like two months, we have like a really good one. Okay, so in two months, guys, if you just stick around, well, we'll be back. <laughs> uh, well, this, this, this timeline is starting to sound a bit dodgy, Alex. I wouldn't trust it if I were you. No, I... I sounds, like, I, uh, sounds like it tells you what you want to hear. Uh, what does it say about this week? Well, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> Start the show. <laughs> <laughs>
uh, cinematography if you're if you're a newcomer and you want to study the art um this film certainly has everything um but it essentially follows a central character um, amidst a lot of other things that the director's trying to say a lot of people say that there's not much of a plot to this movie it kind of just flows uh, as kind of an observational piece to the world that's created and i'm sure we'll get into that in a minute essentially follows a central character called monsieur hulo hulo um who literally does just wander around um a very kind of alternate look of what people perceive as paris i guess in my perspective but the movie's trying to say it's a comment on um a, a tourism basically in paris but it all looks very high tech uh, the film is very structured in its cinematography it's all very uh the whole film kind of looks like a architectural building and follows the lines of its landscape and yeah and it also follows around a, the group of american tourists um who visit paris um and is a bit of a commentary on on tourism as a whole and what the director felt that well, what translation that had to to paris but yeah it's, it's it's a weird one i'd like to know alex's thoughts just straight away but um there is a lot to this movie that was probably the poorest introduction to a film i've ever given uh, but it is very confusing to a lot of people, including myself, when I first watched this. Um, this was my second watch as well, uh, which helped me pick up on a lot of other things. But yeah, Alex, what did you, what are your overall thoughts having watched this movie for the first time? Um, I loved it. Um, yeah. Surprisingly, despite the runtime. Um, <clears throat> big win. That is a big win. <laughs> Where do I start? Well, first of all, I'm sorry if you're like listening at home and you watch along with us because this is probably going to be one of those ones where you are going to struggle to find it. First of all, I just wanted to talk yeah. about um, I, like it's on Amazon, but you have to be in the US and VPNs don't work anymore. You have to have like a US bank account. And I tried it's signing up for Criterion by. and uh, it's this whole thing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and that can be really frustrating for these kind of films where uh, I do think it is important for the history of cinema, you know, and it is a very interesting uh, example of really thoughtful, playful cinematography. And yeah, I just found it really charming and like funny. Mm. Um, it is satirical, but it's not cynical. It's all in cool. good fun, you know, I'd say. And yeah, I, I just thought it was really good. <laughs> um, and it was making my head hurt just thinking about how... Yeah. organized it all had to be because <laughs> it looks so easy the way that uh tassi manages to have this controlled chaos throughout the film um it just you know it's very organic yeah and it's got it's got a good natural kind of snowball effect and it, it looks so effortless but actually there's so much thought and planning that's going into it from the shot composition to like organizing your extras and your characters and mm. directing everyone um, so yeah, it was just a, just a very impressive piece of work, um, and I would like to see his other work now, um, if I can track it down. Mm, um, absolutely. Yeah, and I definitely picked up on the um, on the things that it was trying to say. It's, it is poking at industrialization and tourism, but like I said, I don't think it's like overly cynical, and it's like you can also it is also yeah. just a bit of a fun ride, um, and it's a good kind of representation of like what city life is like i imagine i mean I, I don't live in the city but that kind of like the hustle and bustle of it all and how confusing Intensity. it is and how kind of daunting these kind of looming buildings are and how they kind of spin you around and you're in these maze-like rooms and all this kind of stuff and that kind of disorientation is kind of key to the to the heart mm. of the film um mm. and it's just very well executed 
Uh, and yeah, and I, and I did find it very funny at times. There's a lot of great uh, gags with sound and visuals and stuff. <laughs> it is one of those films that so much just happens in it. It does it does very well as well because you are an observer in this piece. Although mm-hmm. it has like a central character because it follows very specific kind of elements of storytelling. It really goes out the side of that. It's an expressionate piece on like how he feels about certain things about tourism and modernism and he does it in such like both charming but in a funny way as well and it's always so clever and it's definitely one of those films that you watch and you you spot things especially when you've watched it multiple times and you and you Mm go oh that's very smart because a lot of it's very subtle yeah and it really takes genius to to be able to pull that off with such subtlety and it's always great watching these kind of movies because it's like it's wondering and being curious about the the process behind it all it kind of invites you to kind of do a bit of the work um but yes. not in a bad way it's got this kind of like where's wally aesthetic where like <laughs> yeah the frame is just full of clutter and it's up to you to kind of decode it and pick out the little mm. storylines they're interweaving you'll follow multiple characters and they're all kind of cross paths in certain scenes and mm. um there'll just be little visual gags that you might not necessarily even notice at all on your first watch um and it flows it flows yeah. in very interesting ways as well with its cinematography. Like yeah. it's not only used to direct your attention to certain aspects and showcase the world in a very specific, very kind of stern and symmetrical way, but there are times in which it uses it so freely to effortlessly go between scenes as if you're walking through the area. So one of the the scene, one of the scenes that is this film is most famous for is one that comes in around 45 minutes in length, um, which is the opening scene of the restaurant or the opening night of the restaurant. And there are things about how in the way it's designed, it's designed completely impractically because it's like a comment on how, like the, I guess his approach to like all the modernistic architecture is completely useless because it's made to look really pretty. But in actuality, the whole place is like falling to bits and it's completely impractical as a restaurant. Um, mm. You'll have pillars in the um like pillars and glass in the restaurant that just shouldn't be there and you see how the characters kind of navigate like the workers and the guests how they navigate the the area it feels really uncomfortable but it's almost like they don't notice it which is another thing that they're trying to say is how everyone's kind of blind to how stupid this modernism is and how taking away all this very unique characteristics of paris is a terrible thing and both for its visual and practical reasons. But the camera will often sometimes just flow following characters. And then as if you would, if you were wandering around the scene in real life, you'll kind of pick up on like a soundbite of a conversation by a bar and it will just slowly glide over to it. And I thought that on the second watch is something I noticed that I thought was brilliant because it adds to his ability to be able to tell these stories very fluidly. Yeah, there's a Where, lot of there's a lot of directing with sound to grab your attention instead of just like through the composition of the shot. And it's um, such an interesting way to do that because yeah. I guess you have to kind of pick out these elements and run with them mm-hmm. when there's this much chaos going on in a film, and it's so rare. This is it's such a strong staple um, in you guys being able to to witness that in a film yeah some of the, some of just the ways they use um the geography of like the sets to create mm-hmm. comedy and stuff like there's a <laughs> scene where 
he's waiting at like the end of a corridor for a guy to come down and you just watch him like come from the foreground from the background into the foreground um yeah and it's just this long <laughs> long shot of his him walking down and i don't it's just it's just some um, very humorous in a very simple way and a lot of this film is just kind of like harking back so like silent film um mm. and that kind of like puppetry and sense of humor and this is very influential and stuff like you know you know, and stuff like Mr. Bean, right? You know? <laughs> um, yeah. The dialogue. That's what the main character felt like to me. It's yeah. just like a French Mr. Bean. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And like the dialogue doesn't really matter, you know? And like like I said, this isn't really a plot film. This is just like a film where we're watching this character kind of like fumble his way <laughs> mm. through a series of events while being in this kind of confusing world. And it was stuff like the way uh, the interactions with technology, how there's all this machinery mm. that seems so unintuitive. <laughs> um, you have to press a million buttons just for it to do one thing. You know, falling into elevators that spit you out into just random places and glass like tricking you. Like he he sees like the guy's reflection like across the street, and there's this whole thing. And it, it's like it's very funny, and it's just, uh, yeah. interesting how it injects that kind of like social commentary in there. Yeah, definitely. You know, with but like, like I said, I don't think it's like overly overbearing in that sense, and it's also kind of like. I think it is a little bit of a love letter to it too. But yeah, it's just so interesting watching all these interlocking systems mm-hmm. kind of flow in, flow out of each other. And the film just has this constant sense of momentum, which is great. And that's what you want, especially something that is long, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, when I rag on long movies, it's not because... um. It's not because I'm necessarily against a long movie, but it's like the justification for it being long and how you manage mm-hmm. that time. And um, playtime just went by like so pleasantly. Yeah, um, I, I know it. It just flown by. Because, you know, it's all consistently engaging and, it, you know, you're kind of being dragged along with it, you know, just in the same way Monster Hulu is. So the pacing just really works. I could see it being frustrating for some people. It's definitely not going to be a film for everyone. But yeah, it was just kind of endlessly charming. And I just loved like a lot of the little kind of satirical bits. I like when they're walking through like uh, exhibition lobbies and stuff and you know looking at all these like funny gadgets and all this stuff like it's just very very whimsical and uh charming and and, and funny you know just in, in a very like you know it's not like rip-roaringly hilarious or anything right um but it's a, const- it it a constant fashion i just had a constant smile on my face you know it was just constantly amusing it's that that same kind of like um silent movie comedy uh remind me a lot of when i used to watch like a lot of Laurel and Hardy as a kid. There's a lot of kind of chaos within that, but the the action is so simple and and direct, and it allows you to kind of grasp onto that as opposed to the craziness that's around that. Basically, well, you have like those scenes that you spoke about as well. You know, scenes in which kind of trick you as an audience as much as it does the characters. For example, there's a there's a point in which you look like you're in the courtyard in which um, a character's smoking. And then a guy comes up to him and he's like, oh, do you have a light? And he's like, oh, yeah. And then they both start walking down the street and you realise that they're behind a huge pane of glass <laughs> and they have to like go through like the, a, like a door just to be able to just be able to light the cigarette. It's that it's those kind of little quips yeah. that keep the momentum of this going. And it's mm. so charming because of it. Michelle Holt is is just this very engaging character. He's so fascinating because you wonder why the whole film is based off of his kind of journey throughout it all but it's hard it's a very simple narrative it just has a lot to say um it somehow isn't overbearing because it says a lot but uh his you spoke a little bit about his old films i think he has one called monocle i'm probably saying that wrong 
Um, I'll have to look it up. But it looks incredibly similar. It felt mm-hmm. that that was kind of his precursor, like like kind of a, a bit like a beta run for this movie of him trying to figure out how to deal with that chaos of having so many people on screen. Most of the time, it seems that that movie only contains around maybe like six people, but they're sure. all such strong characters, and it it he tries to figure out how to navigate that and does it really well from the scenes that I've watched. So I am looking forward to it. But as anyone who hasn't seen his work, this is really his kind of magnum opus and unfortunately yeah there's there is a sad kind of story to this because unfortunately it basically bankrupted him yeah. um <laughs> this film costs an incredible amount of money for when it was made paris is within this film you you see like um bits of paris like the eiffel tower in reflections of glass when people open doors and stuff and that also plays to the nature of the kind of making fun of american tourists where they've come to america and they're like oh you know this is very american and they'd look they actively look for things that they are familiar with as opposed to all these things that are in the reflections of these buildings that you should really be seeing if you come to another country yeah there's a scene where Um, like she's putting out a bridge and you just can't see it at all (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, there's so many like memorable bits like that It, it sounds overbearing but it surprisingly isn't and i think that has a lot to do with its charm but yeah, it is rather brilliant in, in many of those ways. It was also not only with the fact it was, uh, it, you know, he had to build all these sets, which is quite ridiculous. So it is astounding to look at and be like, this this has to physically be all practical because there's no way that they would have been able to kind of pull this off without it. This was also shot and designed to be shown in 70 mil, which is basically why there's hardly any close-ups in it. A lot of this, when it was shown, was shown in 70 mil, which even then was like a strange not like a strange thing to do but it was it was still a rarer thing to do and definitely more expensive let alone you know shooting a 70 film 70 millimeter film now but that kind of aids to its cinematography which is really stunning and it makes sense for it to be shown in that format and i'm glad that he actively kind of went for that but yeah it's just another reason why this financially did terribly um yeah such a huge shame I read that it was a massive flop and he took out like a lot of personal loans to yeah, get to it made it and yeah but you know it's it's like maybe like well the art is like you know worth it maybe I don't know yeah this has gone down in history as one of it is on lists of some of the one of the best movies ever made because it marries so many of these attributes together so perfectly it's really hard to kind of pick things out that you do dislike it is so strangely seamless although you most of the time spend it not having any idea to what's going on and one that i definitely go back to because like you said you know it was um it didn't feel like two and a half hours at all no it kind of flown by yeah totally yeah it's it's it is a it is a masterpiece i think to just comment on like the cinematography like like you said, it like they kind of use architecture and stuff to very much construct shots and to guide your eye. And there's a lot of kind of there's a lot of just even design theory in the um, mm. way they use the cinematography and construct the images, um, make the compositions. And I think even that is reflective of like the commentary of the film because you're you're we're trained to find structure. Your eyes, you know, your brain seeks patterns it looks for forms to mm. follow um and you could argue that's kind of part of the commentary of the film where mm-hmm. like like you were saying with the american tourists like they 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 are they will just 
draw themselves to very American kind of, you know, things like lifestyle stuff and uh, stuff they're familiar I love it, with. The strange you know. modernism. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's a kind of a reflection, like, yeah, that's reflected in the cinematography. In the fact, they're like, the images are very cluttered and there is a lot going on, but we we navigate to it and we draw ourselves to the structure like that's been seeded within that, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, definitely. And whether that's through like using buildings to kind of direct your eye line and all this kind of stuff, like it's just very clever on that level. It shows how well considered it all was. And, you know, despite it being a bit of a sad story for Sassy, I think it's legacy. Yeah, obviously you can see why it's legacy is so large and why it's stuck around and, um, I definitely recommend it. It's definitely one that if it's ever screening anywhere, I'd get, I'd go see it straight away. Definitely, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's a must-watch if you can track it down. Um, however, <laughs> we you did choose struggle to. with that. <laughs> I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to say how I tracked it down, but I found a way. <laughs> um, Good old dark web. No, no, no. But yeah. It's. Um, I completely agree. It is simply a masterpiece and a very, very good film. To if you're studying or you're fascinated with anything to do with architecture, photography, cinematography, um, it's a beautiful piece to just sit down and absorb like a sponge. I was constantly questioning whether they use certain techniques for stuff. Like I was looking for little tiny things that were still in the background because I thought that the way that they did like the wides was in the same way that um, I'm. I should know this, the name for it. Um, but if you think back to like Indiana Jones and films like that, a lot of the time the wides were done by, and indeed like the Star Wars films as well. If it was shot on film, they used to put um, a plate within the gate of the film camera that had the surrounding landscape basically. Using like map paintings and stuff. Exactly. Uh... Um, so you'd either put it behind the gate, so you'd, or you would put, you'd shoot through a painting on on glass and then you would only be shooting like a um a very small set but not on location in a studio and i was looking for that no they don't do it it, they don't do it i was like oh my god no that's like a living that's like the background of paris that's like a a street that's moving and then i was like well is that like a real street or is that cornered off and like how many cars have they rented to be able to do this and (laughs) and you just the, the more you watch it the more you go like this is such an unlikely and unique achievement and it made me fall in love with it more and more and more it's bloody brilliant it really is i i, I couldn't recommend it enough um and it's it's not anything that requires an incredible amount of attention you know i i kind of am tired of the conversation in which you have to be like proper sewn in and like there with a notepad to kind of enjoy these kind of films because it's not the case there's so much yeah. kind of slapstick comedy in this that honestly kind of made me think about how much was inspired from these types of movies. Yeah, this um, is a, it is extremely, very, very well executed <laughs> and expertly executed. Yeah. In terms of like... Because I say like French narrative. Mr. Bean, I'm like, well... Yeah, <laughs> it's not, you know. you know, it's not gonna... You don't need to be like drawn into it, but I think it will just draw you in, you know. I think it will yeah. keep your attention, um, which is fascinating for something that, isn't plot heavy you know there aren't characters in a traditional sense and yeah i'd love to i'd love to see more stuff like this 
done today you know more kind of in this vein uh with the kind yeah. of budgets and crazy stuff you can do with modern movies today fucking broke tassie to make this and it could be done <laughs> so easily now <laughs> I don't it makes know. me want to kind yeah. of like try and use the same techniques to make like a short and see that if you can achieve this kind of thing today with a low budget it makes me wish i was a student all over again just be able to pick up a camera and an experiment but yeah it's it is quite simply incredible mm. is the word for it there's so much to talk about i could literally sit here for a whole hour and talk about all the little scenes and um especially that restaurant scene like i can't fathom what it took to block <laughs> all of that there's you know like more than 60 people on screen yeah. and it looks as if you're watching so this kind of real event happen Oh, yeah. um, and there there are the small elements like sound effects and visual cues that detract your attention to certain aspects like someone might walk across the frame and like you'll hear like a kind of peel up sound and then you'll realise that one of the tiles has like come off on his foot <laughs> <laughs> or, or something like that what a great um, very... characterizations as well like characters just really these characters who we mm. only get very, very short glimpses of stick out in your mind so well because they, they just give them like a, def- a, re- a very defining trait like the like the waiter who's like keeps doing his hair and like uh, <laughs> yeah you, you know the, the the kind of annoying obnoxious american and you know all these figures who are just kind of like they're just very well defined even though we know nothing about them and i find that fascinating yeah um that is that is fascinating you're right just the way you use physicality and costuming and all this kind of stuff to uh to just to, to tell you everything you need to know about a character um, and that's something that like modern movies can't even do with like a proper <laughs> beefy script behind them, you know. <laughs> mm. um, and yeah, it, when it gets to that restaurant sequence, that's when like the kind of snowball is fully let loose, and we're just gonna have. And that whole sequence is like like forty minutes or something. It's a long yeah. sequence, but it just plays so well, you know. It just all organically weaves into one another, and that's when the film is really in its stride. I think, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It takes a while to kind of like set yourself and set yourself into uh, this world, I guess you could say. But yeah. as soon as you kind of understand the parameters of it, which it does very quickly. Um, definitely eases you, you in. You start to kind of see it through a different eye. Yeah. Um, it definitely eases you in. I liked how um, it opens in an airport. But like the way, even in that opening scene where like it's just the people kind of waiting in the lobby. There's so many visual gags in there that you will just miss. Like, uh, there's a there's a thing I, I love the hair cleaner. He's just like doesn't know what to do with himself because everything is spotless. <laughs> so he's just kind of wandering around. And then there's a thing with like a you hear like a baby crying. You see like a like a maid walk by. You think oh she's got a baby, and then she doesn't. It's towels. So the baby's there. You didn't even notice. There's like a mannequin in the background, and then it fucking like comes to life and stuff. It's so there's so many like weird little. <laughs> Uh, gags are like you will if you just it's like blinking you miss it you know and I love that it teaches you very early on to like watch everything and study everything and follow it follow all the shapes and you know that's really that's mm. what you want out of like a good image is um you know it's not putting you to work it's just inviting you to engage with it which is great and it's kind of yeah the title of the film right it's playtime it's all for fun it's like you're gonna have a fun time literally are you're gonna show you this literally. fun world and yeah yeah for real. it was awesome it was a great recommendation thank uh, you thank you yeah, I, I really enjoyed revisiting revisiting it. Um the kind of first time I kind of watched it, which wasn't long ago long ago at all. I was like, I need an excuse to see this again. <laughs> and you have to kind of give yourself an excuse sometimes because you know it's um these films are long 
it's not often that you you get the ability to just be to sit down especially and be able to kind of analyze it but yeah i I loved it what would you rate it uh i'd give it a nine star um straight up there yeah i agree i think it is a masterpiece um although it is a bit too long for me (laughs) which is probably just me it was yeah yeah um it wasn't unbearable or anything it wasn't like oh my god please um there are just certain sequences i don't think you need I think I think it does kind of mm. detract a bit. I could you could you could shave things off of this film. Um, yeah, of course. But also, I kind of destroy. But also, I, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't touch it. Um, mm. And I probably just mark down half a star because I it is that kind of older sense of humour, and I don't know if that's going to work for everyone. Um, that is true. But apart from that, I can't really follow it. You know, it is a it's an amazing piece of work, and if you're a film buff, filmmaker, uh, definitely track it down and watch it. Yeah, what do you what do you, what do you rate it? Yeah, it's it's either a nine or ten. It genuinely is one of my favourite pieces I've ever watched. I couldn't believe it; just took my breath away. I couldn't believe that I was watching a film from. It, it reminded me of like watching The Shining for the first time, or like two thousand one, and um, more specifically, where I was. I know that's like a really common example to use, but like two thousand one, it really kind of threw my head into a blender, and then it's the realization after about how long ago it was made, and you just go, how. Like, how did they achieve this? It's such like a, on paper, it, it just, it shouldn't work, but it does. And it, it has n- simply only to do with the talent that was involved in making this. And they deserve every respect for it. All right. But yeah. Sweet. <laughs> well, that was playtime. Um, moving swiftly on to one of the weirdest films I've ever watched in my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, let's go, my notes. go on, Alex. Introduce us. Yeah, so I made you watch House or Houseu, um, House nineteen seventy-seven film directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi. It's a Japanese horror film yeah. that is probably one of the most unique pieces of work I've ever seen in my life. It's an interest. Easily. It's an interest. <laughs> it's an interesting piece because a lot of people kind of everyone loves it, but I think no one can agree on whether it's actually genuinely brilliant or if it's like a guilty pleasure <laughs> thing. I think it's probably sure. somewhere in the middle. Now, if you if you just heard like the the story on paper, you might think, well, that doesn't sound that weird. It sounds pretty conventional for a horror movie. It's about a bunch of... There's a teenage girl. She's upset. Um, her father's getting married to another woman. And uh, she goes off to see her aunt who lives out in the country. She takes all her friends down and spooky things happen. <laughs> This film has been on my radar for a long time because um, I just hear everyone talk about it. So this is kind of why I just wanted to recommend it because I needed an excuse to see it. Um, but yeah, I, f- I, do, I think it is absolutely brilliant, you know, <laughs> in terms yeah. of just how bonkers it is. It's completely off kilter and funny is the thing. I think it is a comedy. Um, I've heard some people kind of try to justify that there is a horror to it. I personally, as a horror movie, it doesn't work for me in that regard. But as a comedy, I do find it extremely entertaining. Obiyashi was a kind of commercial director and he was very experimental with his visuals and editing and special effects. And that all kind of comes into play in house. And I do think it has some commentary and some kind of cultural um, context that kind of explain why it is the way it is. But yeah, before we delve too deep into it, what did you think of it? (laughs) (sighs) Mate. Um, I knew it was going to be different, I mm-hmm. should say, because of the way that you spoke about it. I understood that, it, you know, 
this is a horror film from a completely different culture of cinema. Um, it's not going to be universally something that is going to be similar to things that I'm used to. So I was hyped for it, to be honest. You know, I was I was really, really excited to see how that translated across, um, especially within the genre of horror, because you obviously have the whole um, like culture difference in what people find scary, I guess you could say, yeah. or frightening. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's not too much of a drastic difference, but even things like the themes, you know, what's this film's core kind of theme? And, you know, is it a big monster movie? Is it like, like a haunted house or... So you know that Suspiria, the original Suspiria, is one of my favourites of all time. Um, and I think that, you know, that was also that was also a, um, a foreign horror and had its own interpretations due to the culture from which it was made because of it, no. um, that have influenced cinema so drastically. Mm-hmm. As weird and shockingly unique this film was, I actually really liked it because I understood that how... For what it is, it must have like kind of nailed all of those tropes. I do think that um, I was almost constantly confused to <laughs> the reasoning behind choices. Um, <laughs> one of the things that stand out most drastically to me is that I've never watched a film in my life in which there is always music going on. There is always some <laughs> form of music. Yeah. Whether it's... A, and also sometimes the music has... Not, not much of a correlation to what's happening on screen or how you're supposed to perhaps feel. Mm. Um, I speak most poignantly to the, the kind of end scene where they, they try to, the, the girls try to, to take on the witch in this house. It's all very like, it was all kind of very like striking music with horror. And I was like, there are elements of this that are actually quite scary because the way that they designed the, the sound was that it would just come out of nowhere a volume that you weren't expecting so <laughs> this had a really kind of early interpretation of what i imagine jump scares kind of came from yeah. um which i thought was very interesting but uh, they start battling this final monster and and all of a sudden this kind of like kind of like boss music starts playing yeah <laughs> <laughs> like final boss music and i was like what is going on i felt like i had to be on some sort of substance to kind of make sense of to a lot of this i loved that I really, really loved it because it was such an interesting study into into what people both found scary, I guess, in, in that culture and also at the, in the time in which it was made too. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of things in Suspiria aren't, aren't necessarily scary, but yeah. with Suspiria, it was like, it's like striking the colour that was used to... Yeah, yeah. the striking colour used to accentuate the, the, the horror elements and the, the overuse of gore was like, what's going on here? Because mm-hmm. that was never done before to the extent in which it was done. And, and this seemed to have a lot of those elements too. So I, I, I'd be a bit of a hypocrite, but if the shocking nature of what I wasn't expecting um, would overrule how I'd feel about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad that you kind of picked up on that. I think if, if there's one strength that I can attribute to House is that... Um, it's got a great sense of iconography just a lot of the visuals are just very striking maybe not because Mm -hmm. they're scary but because they're peculiar and strange you know the whole thing of the cat is like now kind of famously poster. (laughs) that's how strong the kind of imagery of this film is that's true to be fair that is very true to Um, kind of reel back and talk about why this got made because i think that's probably one of the biggest questions you'll have coming out of it is like why (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna have to like 
take this back because <laughs> I feel that's the only way we can approach talking about it. Um, um, so Toho, one of the big kind of film distributors in Japan, they wanted to make their, they basically wanted to make Japanese Jaws is how they kind of pitched it, you know. <laughs> Apparently the script uh, was kind of floating around for a while and they right. wanted to, they wanted to create a horror movie that would be a smash hit in the way that Jaws was. Okay. So Obiyashi had ah. come from this kind of commercial background and I've, I've watched some of his commercials and they are just as kind of visually crazy as this film is. And if you're familiar with kind of like Japanese marketing, you know, you, you'll be no stranger yeah. to kind of the bizarre editing that you'll see in it. Yeah. So yeah, and he took this project and, you know, got given like a pretty sizable budget <laughs> and made his film. Uh, apparently his daughter helped him kind of develop the script a bit so i think that's where like some of the dare i say like teen drama stuff comes from and also no, just yeah, to kind of fair. get a vibe on what you know teenagers would actually find scary because i think they were kind of trying to plan to sell it to kind of younger audiences yeah so the, the approach of horror is interesting in this because in japanese culture like and this is me really oversimplifying it and i'm not an expert on this at all but basically like their relationship with like the paranormal i guess is very different to how it is in kind of western world ghosts and ghouls and whatever are kind of they're they're not really treated as things that you're meant to be like scared of necessarily it's more about acceptance of them there's more of a kind of culture of like accepting accepting spirits you know and embracing them and allowing them to to kind of be what they are that's a very like oversimplification of it um so i think that's kind of like at the core of house a bit is this kind of idea of like it's okay to kind of it's okay to laugh at it it's okay to find you know bizarre bizarrity if that's a word <laughs> in the horror you know when mm. their friend's decapitated head floats out of the well and bites her ass I don't think you're meant to be like uh, in fear <laughs> you know I, I, I forgot I actually drew that out of my mind and you just put it back in there that was that was certainly one that was uh that stood out as like what is this what is going on <laughs> i think i've got some here oh uh, the, the weird kind of like foreshadowing as well that it kind of plays with as well like um like the dialogues feels it's not subtle it's as subtle as a brick basically mm. um it's very direct and it kind of works in its favor because ideally you want to set up these characters very quickly and what I guess the central character, you know, why why they've made this move to this place. You want to bring all the characters to this place as soon as possible. <laughs> There's a scene I've written down where this the new stepmom was like, she was like, oh, it would be a great idea. I'll go up and I'll see him. And the dad's just like, yeah, cool if you want. Uh, she's like, don't worry, I'll bring her back. And it was just like this, like <laughs> very menacing, like close up on her. And I was like, uh, yeah, she's fucking dead. <laughs> she ain't coming back um, and, and stuff like that I mean the strangest bits for me weren't necessarily the kind of horror bits that they played with because although there were things like severed heads flying around and biting people's asses and <laughs> like um, blood flying out the eyes of cats and, and, and them <laughs> drowning in blood and all this weird shit uh-huh. um, or like things just floating about and I found a lot of like the actual horror stuff quite it was so the whole film is like one big juxtaposition because you have a very kind of sweet soundtrack. It's like this theme mm. that was stuck in my head by the end of it. And you'll have like the main character speaking about how she feels and what's going on to a, a lot of the time to herself. And then in the background, you'll see like, like a severed head or you'll 
you'll she'll be brushing her hair in the mirror and you'll just like the, the reflection will be like screaming at her or whatever and these things happen so quickly and subtly that the juxtaposition is what frightens you and takes you out yeah, of it interesting at least for me that's that's the way i saw it because it was so it threw me out of the longer pauses mm. so drastically that i was like i am actually frightened because i have okay. no idea what's around the corner and there's no way of me guessing it either for sure because <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere yeah and you're like fucking hell there is a uh, um, there is a surprising tension to a lot of it because you just you just know yeah. like it's like a no at that house you know like shit's gonna happen like there's no yeah. there's no uh beating around the bush with it you know it get, it gets to it pretty quickly and it's weird that you're kind of following this kind of really like cheesy schmaltzy teen story and then it just turns into this kind of off kilter horror and i think it's very it's very aware of that you know i think they're very aware of the juxtaposition of those feelings and those moods and i think you're right i think that is where the tension will come from for some people um it doesn't necessarily work for me because <laughs> i find it all off kilter <laughs> you know i find it all like insane yeah. like just um, yeah, yeah yeah like the introduction of the stepmom and like just how insane that is <laughs> where it's like they're in such She's a your new mother they're in such a fake they're in such a fake house and like there's kind of matte painting in the background and she's coming in and she the, the wind's flowing and and they heighten like the uh the sound on the wind as well so it just kind of plays very comedically so i'm always kind of like i feel like the, the film kind of has always had me on edge in that sense of like what is it up to like what what, what weird shit is it going to try to do there's just a lot of strange choices even when it's not in the horror when they're making their little journey to the house and you know we're seeing like the projection behind them which is meant to be kind of like the country fields passing and that's just such a that's such a strange uh choice <laughs> you know um for yeah it's yeah. on paper very simple scene of these girls like traveling uh you know to the country <laughs> they've made it weirdly kind of artistic yeah um i think the film's and, very oh sorry go on. no uh, well there's there's there is no like there's there's no point of like allowing me to, to to kind of like continue because i i will literally just chat absolute confusion um, well, i was just gonna say that like the film is very aware that it's a film it's very aware of the language of cinema it's very like that's 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 a fair point we yeah. see flashbacks and they're presented as like black and white old-timey films you know where the flashback of her aren't um and and the characters watch it with us as well like that was really bizarre to me that they're 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 commenting on the film that we're watching in the film and the way they play with you know just the visual editing it's not subtle it's not like you know authentically trying to be like a true effect or anything it is like just for the sake of making a striking image you know when her face shatters into like glass and there's burning fire behind her skin like that's you know uh, yeah when they kind of rotoscope her out and it's just like uh -huh. like hellish fire and the music kind of just starts to <laughs> and that's like um you know that's i like the uh the approach to just making abstract imagery you know um and mm. again it's that sense of iconography that the film has that i think is just great i just think it's like very very charming in that regard you know it's not trying to present you reality the film is not interested in like this is a real story and it's grounded and gritty so no this is like a fantastical story all the characters are called like they're you know they're all called after their personality traits you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's true um, angel and angel um, and mac and you know all this stuff like 
<laughs> the film is not interested in showing you like real people going through like a real thing although i do think there is like real themes underlying it all which i do think makes it yeah, kind of interesting it, it does feel like it does feel like i was watching obviously i'm not well acquainted on the subject at all but it does feel like i was watching um like japanese television like i, I like adverts so it makes sense that the kind of the director had like a background in that or mm-hmm. that it's at least kind of formatted in a sense in that way because it's a familiar and it's just a familiar style of like editing like there's there's literally like those like classic like 1980s um like uh, kind of like um like uh, you know those transitions in between scenes where like the the like there's a star that like transitions it all there's like a like the fucking the image splits in two and like like a gate (laughs) um and things like that where i'm like what the fuck is going on because it really makes it difficult for you to kind of at times sink into it because you're so you're so shocked and kind of taken out by how how bold the choices are and like it's way it's edited and the way it sounds and you struggle to kind of fix yourself onto what's going on yeah but i guess that's also kind of part of it because those things don't happen when they're not like in the horror elements like the horror elements are the absurdity comes from the the actual physical sets and their acting mm-hmm. um whereas all like the oh we're you know on a train trip and we're in school and we're saying how <laughs> how much we fancy the teacher and stuff like this this is all like cut like a commercial and like there's like little bit on screen graphics and you know yeah. like weird sound effects like it's, it's um accentuating life yeah, for them it's kind of a some people kind of commented on this it's kind of a weird precursor to like maybe i'm extrapolating here but like to like meme mm. culture in the way that it's like you know it's, it's got that kind of you can you can see how like people like tim and eric you know in that kind of adult swim uh, like eric andre show you know what i mean like this these kind of absurd comedy stuff where they take it and how, then kind of like yeah they kind of translate position him they kind of translate some mm. of the codes and conventions of this this kind of genre i guess and you know form it into a way of comedy and i think that's why it lands more as a comedy for me because like (laughs) i guess i have that reference in my mind to it and it's just like it's little things like the there's a cat remix in this you know (laughs) there's a thing of the cat going over the piano and it's doing the theme (laughs) (laughs) yeah the theme starts playing it's the cat just like meowing (laughs) yeah and I know and, it's meant to be yeah. this kind of descent into madness, but it's very funny. It's just very, very funny to me. But then again, like, I had to tell myself that the reason why we must find it funny is because, like, we're not, at the time, like, we weren't, obviously, we're not used to this way of formatting. Like, how many other movies were done in this way at this time? Mm. You know, I think it must have just been, like, having those elements of horror must have made this a horror movie. Because it was like it looked and felt like everything else that was coming out of cinema at that period of time. So I don't know. the things well, that we saw must very... have pushed over the edge. I think even like, for a J horror, it is very um, different though. Because like it must be, yeah, yeah. It is. I've seen a few J horrors, and a lot of them are a bit more kind of dark and eerie. And I think even if you are, you know, in the context, it's still even weirder though. Of that culture, exactly. And that's why it's like amazing. It's such a like unique little specimen of a film. Um, it didn't do very well when it came out. I think it, I think it flopped pretty hard. Oh. Um, but it found it. The reason why it's kind of stuck around and is regarded as one of these kind of uh, again, this is another one where it's in a lot of people's top tens. This is like a favorite of a lot it's of people. Up there. Yeah. 
um you'll find it in a lot of like top 100 lists and like it's because like it kind of found a second audience with in the u.s basically it kind of got exported to like u.s art, art house uh theaters and stuff and that's where it kind of got a kind of cult, cult following cult following yeah wow and again it, like that's kind of part of why it's just such a fascinating beast because it's like it seems like it it, it it didn't land in the way it was meant to and yet somehow it's it is this i do think it is a fantastic piece of work you know yeah, um, yeah absolutely it i i mentioned like the guilty pleasure thing right i think some people kind of say like <laughs> it's so bad that it's good and i don't think that's fair to it necessarily but i do think it has that like you know that the room quality where it's so mm. bizarre it's fascinating yeah yeah it becomes fascinating kind of carves its own genre and makes its own kind <laughs> of rules and i love that about it <laughs> just it's literally what it's one of the most entertaining watches i've ever had mm. i would have loved to have seen this on like yeah. an evening <laughs> sat on a sofa with a few beers Absolutely, and going yeah and then you like just slowly stop drinking them because you're so fixated and <laughs> what's going on yeah um and it, I guess it also speaks to the deeper kind of thing where you're, well, this week's episode even, where knowing that the commercial stuff, unfortunately, <laughs> is the stuff that thrives. And mm. what the, the things that tend to be kind of stapled in history in, in terms of art as legendary tends to be the stuff that just kind of falls out of the sky and is so strange. It's like music, you know, like the strangest music is tends to be like what fascinates and really intrigues most people mm. but ends up being the stuff that is kind of never played on the radio and you know never heard by anyone and same goes for film you know these kind of films are some that are put on the list as some of the best of all time and you're like why is that there because it didn't commercially do well and well i guess that's why we love it you know mm-hmm. you know these th- these films deserve that kind of recognition for what they were able to achieve when they were made. Yeah, absolutely. Um, These are two films that are, you know, that are having Black fun. Black Swans. Yeah, they're having fun with <laughs> cinema in a way that, like, your everyday movie will not, you know. Mm. Um, and that's why they're so noteworthy. Yeah, definitely. There was one final thing I wanted to talk about with House. Um, and something like, more kind of context as to why it got made and uh, what the inspiration okay. for it was. Obiyashi, uh, he lived in, I think he lived in her house yeah he did live in a house (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) sorry um, mate keep going (laughs) i'm trying to remember if it's uh i think he lived in i think he lived in hiroshima i think let me check what sorry what yes he he, what's the other it was one or the other um he lived he lived in one of the places that got nuked basically um and i think he was like away so when he came back all his fucking family were gone <laughs> and his friends they're all dead what the fuck yep um what the fuck which is awful obviously but again to in to bring it into like the wider context of like how japan like considers horror you know when that happened your perspective of what is scary is a whole another level you know it's like a uh-huh. like we're at we're over here and we're scared of like spiders and stuff and creepy coolies and japan as a culture is faced Being with nuked. the fear of like atomic death right <laughs> so it's completely like different and a lot of people kind of think that's why j-horror tends to be more bizarre 
and fantastical because like everyday things just aren't as scary when you've been faced with that as a culture you know <laughs> like that's true that's, stand- that's kind of what i was trying to get out from the start but i had no idea what would cause it yeah but that makes complete sense your standard horror affair doesn't really do it you know <laughs> so it's more the existential dread but that is part of the and anyway that context is baked into the story of house where the aunt basically the whole reason why she's doing all of this and why she's evil and blah 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 uh whereas we find out in the flashback is because she's kind of mourning for her husband who died in the war and that's kind of that was kind of part of the inspiration uh for that element of the story and this idea of like mm. everyone you love just being gone and how do you deal with that and how do you wrap your mind around that so yeah, it is it's kind of baked in there and i think there's also kind of a you could argue it's a bit of a feminist commentary as well talking about how you know women are seen and how they're treated and the expectations are put on them and widows how they're you know discarded by society and the girls have these kind of expectations upon them and they're hmm. kind of only defined by their one trait and that's all they have and uh and also how throughout the whole thing they're constantly the only their only way of getting saved is their teacher turning up um and this thing of like you know relying on a man to save them and like i don't know look i don't know if that's intentional commentary or not but i think that is in there to it's an interesting discussion to have because you're completely right like these elements are baked in there mm. um it's really funny to kind of like look at these films and 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 see those elements and and question whether it was part of a i guess a greater a greater thought process because i mean the the product is so bizarre so anything's on the table really you know what i mean there's no there's nothing that you can really say that was oh well i don't know but yeah what i was trying to get out of the beginning with the whole us as you know as cult in in terms of like culture we do find things different in terms of how like how we're scared and same goes like that it, that's also a discussion when you when you think about when you think of like neo-noirs and whatever like like noir films were made all around the world but in diff- completely different contexts because of what at the time that culture found scary whether it was like espionage or whether it was something completely different i love that conversation i love trying to figure out why movies were made due to those elements of that culture mm-hmm. uh and this is a great example of it yeah like it's <laughs> it will it will throw you into the deep end but depending on your perspective it might be one of the best and worst films you've ever watched but if anything it's um (laughs) it is a incredible example of something extremely unique within its own genre and thank you so much for recommending it because i feel like i kind of needed it it kind of (laughs) cleansed cleansed the palate i guess you could say yeah um well i feel like we've both had the kind of urge to uh recommend something that's a little unique and different because uh, we, we've yeah, covered a definitely. lot of kind of conventional narratives and it's fun to just explore these kind of off-kilter films sometimes and I mean something you different. couldn't have really chosen a better one to be honest <laughs> um, what would you rate it? I really struggle with this one I'd probably give it somewhere between a 7 and an 8 okay. um, I do appreciate its ability to have its own staple within its genre I thought th- I felt that something like Suspiria is a bit more palatable and I feel that that is perhaps the only reason why I rate that one because these I think those two are fair to kind of judge on a similar, um, yeah, similar kind of level. Yeah, um, kind of, I kind of I don't want to judge them, but it's yeah, the only thing I can think. Yeah, yeah it's the only thing I can really cool, fucking yeah. compare it to. To be honest, I mean, give me a break. Um, <laughs> but um, it's not that I didn't find it palatable. I think that is the wrong word, but I think eight's more fair. 
it is a good movie like it is good and I, I it's mostly due to the fact of how fascinated I am by it I am completely astounded by that this film even exists mm-hmm. but yeah I'd get, I think I'd say I'd give it an eight um, I'd definitely watch it again I, I think I need to watch it again and it's certainly one that I'm going to be recommending to any horror fan or any fan of cinema because it is brilliant fair yeah I I will give it a nine star again because I just think I don't Ooh. you know I just think like you can't fault it you know we play this game sometimes of like well it is fair is like, it fair can to, you fault it is it fair to comment on things that it's not even trying to do and like on that level mm. no like there's nothing I'd really change about it there are some bits that like I just don't um, engage with I suppose and I think it is so out there that like I guess it could flow a little bit not, better in its narrative but again yeah, it's, but then, it's not a culture of yeah. film that we're acquainted to and it is probably very similar to how a lot of that kind of commercial work was made in that day. Yeah, interesting. Well, that was it. Yeah, I thought I did think this might be our first double five star, but I feel like um, they're a bit too. It's close to. It's very close, but I feel like they're a bit. Too, they are both a bit too. As much as their unconventional, unconventional <laughs> nature is why they are so fascinating. It's also like I will put up the warning of like, you know, it might not be for you. You're in for a ride. Yeah. <laughs> You're for a fucking trip. So strap yourselves in. Yeah. Um and they're two very like different films for that reason too, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. Um and they are definitely films that will get you chatting away for hours, as I'm sure me and Alex will after the recording. <laughs> um but yeah. Cool. Brilliant, brilliant choices, I think, this week. So yep. well done, mate. Well done to both. I did us. enjoy myself. Okay. Well, what have you got for me next time? So this was a film that I actually saw advertised on a film festival and it was actually one of the films that was going to convince me to go and then COVID hit. But this film is called County Lines. Uh, It was made in, I think it was made in 2019. So it's it's a very recent movie, a lot lower. You know, it wasn't like a blockbuster. It's um, uh, It was one... uh, funded by the British Film Institute. You have a lot of like new young players to the game here. And yeah, I don't want to kind of, you okay. know, I don't want to describe it too much, but that's that's my recommendation. Okay. But yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was very good. Cool. Uh, but yeah, what, uh, what have you got for me? Well, <clears throat> I've been feeling the slow embrace of death crawling upon me. Um, oh, and I want to look back on my childhood and revisit something. Um, and talk about a medium oh that uh, we haven't covered yet on the show. Um, oh there's been some great Pixar movies out recently. Um, Soul was really good. I really enjoyed Luca recently. Um, mm, yeah, I saw you rated that one. It's, um, mm. Your reaction convinced me to perhaps even give it a shot. Yeah, I definitely recommend got it. Disney Plus as well. Yeah, this made me kind um, of a bit nostalgic for the old Pixar movies because I feel like they dropped off a bit, but I did have definitely a glory day. Um, I want to revisit one that I think is probably, for my money, I think it's the best one, but we'll see how it holds up. Uh, we're going to watch The Incredibles. Fuck yes. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my fucking God. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I, I, I want to. I love that we have these like fucking weird juxtapositions on these, um, yep. <laughs> on these double features. That's my favorite part of them. You have County Lines and The Incredibles. 
<laughs> Holy shit. That's fucking amazing. All right, well. Uh, awesome. We'll do that next well, time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well excited. Uh, bloody hell. But yeah. Well, thank you for tuning in again for another week, guys. Yeah, thanks as always um, for listening. Um, if you made it this far. If you made it this far. If you enjoyed the show and you want to keep up to date, follow us at Final Draft Show on Twitter, Final Draft Pod on Instagram, um, Facebook at the Final Draft Podcast, I think. Email us at finaldraftpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, follow, keep up to date. Um, if you have recommendations or questions or whatever, you can get in contact with us there. There's also a link to our Discord somewhere over there. Um, join the Discord. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's fire over there at the minute. Yeah, a lot of good memes. A lot of uh, Corolla <laughs> memes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Excellent. Which we love to see. And if you really love the show and you want to support it, head over to patreon.com slash draft. £5 a month gets you access to the writer's room. Uh, bonus episode where you get to suggest a topic or we just kind of chat shit. Um, and they're a lot of fun. And if more people do them, then we'll do more and we'll lower the price and all that good stuff. So just an idea. Um, <laughs> Come on, let's pound together, guys. <laughs> Your films for next week, for next double feature, are County Lines and The Incredibles. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the next episode is going to be on yet, so we will we, we will see. Who knows? It's, we'll have to wait and see. It's a mystery. Thank you so much, guys, for for tuning in again. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, on to the number one film podcast, the best film podcast that ever was and ever will be. Um, it's just fact. iconic. Yep. So that's what some people have messaged in to say. Um, one here reads the most iconic mm. of all time I got many hands. I think we need to start putting it on the masthead to be fair we've we've had an overwhelming response of, of people writing in oh yeah definitely I get many handwritten letters telling them how much they love me and my takes and my opinions and mm. how clever I am I get mostly and... eggs thrown at my house well you know but I also appreciate that <laughs> any publicity is good publicity so who's the real winner here Okay. <laughs> Us You will reign supreme But yes Thanks guys Thank you for tuning in <laughs> We'll see you all Next time